Grand Theft Auto is sort of notorious for being this hetero-masculine digital space. Ooh, tough guy! Grand Theft Auto is about stealing cars. Cops! Coming our way! Be cool! They ain't made this car yet! You are fixed to a single character, and that character is a heterosexual man. If a woman walks by, he might, like, make a comment. I think you should give up the comfort eating. Piece of shit! That premise creates a worldview that is inherently heteronormative, not to mention that, like, cars in general and car culture, which this game is celebrating in a strange way, is generally something that, like, men and straight men participate in. Straight guys like cars. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Although that's not a hard line. This is Carl. Hi, I'm Carl Munstead, and I'm a digital artist and technologist. Carl's a relative newcomer to the gaming world, and that's because when he was a kid, video games were pretty much banned in his house. Why were games banned in your house growing up? I think it had to do with my parents being a little bit older and like we only had one TV in our house, which was unusual for like an American household. We didn't have like cable or any sort of like media services coming in. But they did have the internet. Which I think as like a gay kid had a huge influence on me. I didn't really have access to the LGBT community as a whole in real life. And so the internet gave me this portal into this other world that I really like grew up on. Growing up on what he calls the gay internet, Carl appreciates how the digital world functions for queer people. But he also recognises the lack of queerness in many digital spaces, to which Grand Theft Auto is no exception. The best example of this is an area in the game known as West Vinewood, essentially a watered-down version of Los Angeles's gay district, West Hollywood. It's worth noting the entire GTA map is a replica of LA. The possible West Hollywood section was not created. I know that they changed the language in the game so that the neighborhoods are slightly different than what they are in real life, but there's certainly not anything that outright says West Hollywood. Or anything outwardly queer about the replica area of West Hollywood. Right. Yeah, if it does exist, it's not gay or queer in any way. The absence of queerness or in the case of GTA, the omission of, is not uncommon in the gaming world. However, for many queer gamers, this isn't a huge deal. As a gamer and gay man myself, this wasn't something I thought about when I first played GTA. But what artists like Carl are doing is making this erasure known. On this episode, you'll hear that Carl doesn't actually want Rockstar Games the studio that makes GTA, to make the game gayer. Instead, he wants to change the game himself and rewire his own queer space. 
Today on Think Digital Futures, we meet the modders. I'm Jake Morecambe. Who are the modders? <laughs> I, I think just about anyone. It's kind of like saying who is a YouTube content creator or who is a podcast speaker or author. It's just anyone who has interest in that game, one game or just games in general. This is William Raff, the co-director of the Game Studio Research Group at the University of Technology, Sydney. Will explains modders create mods which is short for modifications. These are alterations to the code or back end of a game that change what happens in the game. And mods can be practically anything. Higher resolution textures or better lighting within the game or more weather effects. You think, oh, I haven't found a piece of armour within this game that I really like, so maybe someone's made a mod for some better armour, so you go and download that mod. Mods can also be really... Stupid. I think Skyrim's a good example. The dragons, you can turn them into, like, Thomas the Tank Engine. Yep. And and I suppose that's just a way of making the community laugh. You make yourself laugh, primarily share it with your friends to start with and make them laugh. And then, yeah, things just kind of grow like memes do on the internet. William also says modding doesn't require a computer science degree. The skill set that you need is really dependent on which game you're targeting to make those mods for. If the modding tools for a specific game are quite user-friendly for a non-technical audience, then the the barrier of entry is quite low. If you're a 3D artist, you don't need to worry necessarily about the coding side of things. You can just take your 3D models, put them through this tool and insert them straight into the game. If you're someone like me when I was younger and I just like to make levels, if, if the game supports that kind of level editing in a very intuitive way, then even a child can make their own content. Do you mean like levels of difficulty? More so in terms of maps within the game. So in Grand Theft Auto, you have that map editor that allows you to create custom races. So you kind of pick a part of the city that you want to race through and you can start adding ramps and different checkpoints to different areas and so forth. And people come up with wild and wacky ways of essentially manipulating the physics within Grand Theft Auto to make really interesting tracks. So the physics allows for things like driving your car on the side of a wall. So then what happens where the challenge in the race is not to drive on a flat surface on the ground, but instead you're driving up the side of a wall on a spiral going high and higher in the air, and then it results in a ramp that sends you quite a distance and you fall through another checkpoint. And, and yeah, you end up with these wild and wacky races that weren't initially there. The gamers who design mods will usually make them open source, so people from all ends of the globe can download those mods into their own game. This network of gamers is often called the mod community. I think it's like any hobby and any passion. People want to share it with like-minded people and know that there's others like them in the world that are doing the same hobby. And you want to talk about it. You want to talk about the good and the bad and, and what you would change. And if you're in the modding community, then you do actually go about making those changes and you share them with everyone else. And yeah, it builds that community spirit that we as human beings just gravitate towards naturally. William says there are a range of reasons as to why gamers mod. Back when I was a student, modding was the main way to learn about how a big game is made and to kind of show off on your CV, hey, I can look at an existing game, I can make my mark on it, I can contribute to it. 
it may also be for a certain level of fame. You want to be kind of a pillar of that modding community for that specific game. You want to be known as someone who provides really good mods. You may do it just because you love the game. Uh, maybe you think the game should be slightly different. Or it can also be in an artistic way to express yourself and your identity. This is what Carl is doing, where he's working on a project called Grand Theft Homo. Grand Theft Homo is an ongoing project where I am modifying and manipulating the code set of Grand Theft Auto and inserting activations in there to sort of reorient the world as a queer space. Carl is replacing JPEGs within the game to change the face of the city, to reflect his imagined world of Queertopia. Queertopia is a sort of imagined future in which mass leakages of things like BPA and plastics in our water supply have created conditions where gender and sexuality are fluid for all creatures. So there are references to things like atrazine, which is a fertilizer that basically makes your body think that it's like not producing enough estrogen. And so it is basically a synthetic hormone. And so sort of like advertising that chemical as something that would be as ubiquitous as soda on buildings and billboards. Transport in Queertopia also has a refresh. I edited a bus to be pink and to read fag bus, then recorded a video of me driving the fag bus recklessly all over the streets. And I think it's a visual representation of being a weird queer person who doesn't really understand even what they're supposed to be doing there, flailing in urban space. Like the bus is the queer person out of place in the city. Right. Hacking becomes this way of subverting not only just the code set, but also identity and how you represent yourself. It's important to sort of like reclaim some of those spaces Because obviously the game is not set up to be a queer space, but in hacking it and pulling the the code set apart, I'm sort of like re-engineering it as a queer space. Modding his own universe, Carl believes offers greater freedom. It also means not relying on the developers to include queer aspects in the game. I mean, I think that I have troll tendencies and I would want to throw a screwdriver into whatever they're trying to concoct there. And I think that that's probably why I don't have a job at Rockstar Games. (laughs) That's why I am making modifications, because I think if you want to tackle the issue of inclusivity in gaming... You're never going to be able to do it by creating a village for everyone in the game. I'm much more interested in seeing game spaces 
functioning in a way where people can become active participants in the world. I think that there's something really empowering about telling people that they can go in and change things. Carl also worries that should Rockstar go out of their way to queer GTA, that not only could it be tokenistic, but potentially harmful. Yeah, and I think it would be like fodder for the right-wing internet to be like, this is the cuckification of games. And I don't think that like queer gamers would necessarily be drawn to that type of pandering. William from UTS believes that for the most part, game studios get it, and many actively encourage modding communities to make their own tweaks. Bethesda, who made Skyrim, tried to help the community in terms of providing a way for those mod makers to make some money. Um, So they did try to set up a kind of marketplace where you could sell your mods and make some money out of it. And that turned out horrendously um, because it's a technical issue, essentially, and a legal one where people started uploading mods that weren't theirs. And it became really hard to attribute who the original author of a mod was um, and protecting those original mod creators and their rights and not having other people stealing their IP. So that didn't last very long. And I, I'm not entirely sure, but I believe where Bethesda's at now is they take a more direct approach to identifying modders that have made big contributions to the community and working with them directly, providing them with a direct income. That's really interesting that Bethesda, because Bethesda is one of the foremost gaming companies in the world, and they're making the active effort to try and financially reimburse community members. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a game's popularity is almost entirely based upon its community and how much that community is thriving and continuing to play and how much they're communicating and sharing their content online and and modders are part of that community. Do you think they also identify that that's a potential selling point if they facilitate this sort of modding activity that could potentially draw even more people to the game? Uh, I would imagine so. And I think at that point it becomes a question of uh, cost and reward. And again, it really comes down to each individual uh, game company about how they want to approach it. On the flip side, William explains there are studios that aren't too happy about the modders. I know that there are some companies, like Nintendo, let's say, games like Mario Maker support modding to a degree that they're kind of level-making functionality, but otherwise they really do try to crack down on any kind of modification to their game, and especially they've been known to be quite strict about their YouTube broadcasting uh, capabilities. So if someone's going to make a modern uh, Nintendo game and then broadcast it on YouTube, they sometimes will target taking down those videos, stopping that information from being spread. And that's, that's their approach to protecting their IP and their copyright. While modders, for the most part, have free reign to do as they please, Carl does have concerns about the industry cracking down on the community in the future. I do think that the trend in technology as a whole is away from being able to be active in it. If you look at MySpace, you used to be able to edit the HTML of that, and now on Facebook, you can't. And I think that that's a trend with software and hardware. iPhones are glued shut. The code is unbreakable, and there's no way in. And I think that that future definitely could happen in gaming. But I also 
know that the community of modders online is like really thriving and if developers were ever able to like find a way to really stop this from happening that would be very sad and it would wipe away an entire community of people but i think the desire to open up digital space and get in there and make it yours will always exist Think Digital Futures is made possible with the support of 2SER Radio, the University of Technology, Sydney, and is heard around Australia via the Community Radio Network. Think Digital Futures is made in Sydney, which sits on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, whose sovereignty was never ceded. You can subscribe to Think Digital Futures wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jake Morecambe. Thanks for your company.